listeners. This is Dr. Taylor Hartman with Very Best of Living, and I'm with my colleague, Kat Larson. Hi, Kat. Good morning. This Afternoon, is, evening, whatever this, it is. Yeah, wherever you are in the world, this is like for you. This podcast is going to be, again, um, Stump the Expert. It's going to be Kat asking me questions we've received from people that they would like more information about, and I'm going to be responding to them. So, Kat, you're kind of yeah. uh, going to lead out on this one. <laughs> I love this part. Yep. Of, I love when we get to do this. It's kind of fun. Um, okay. You ready? Are your, are your wheels oiled? My wheels are oiled. I'm ready. Okay. So I am interested in um, what you see are some mental health myths that you run into and you have to fight when you're dealing with clients or, you know, companies or anything like that when you're dealing with people. Uh, okay. That's a good one. Um, mental health myths. Uh, probably the number one would be that it's someone else's fault and somebody mm-hmm. else has to fix it until they do. I can't get free. So I'm a prisoner of that person until they choose to admit they were wrong. And then I can get a pound of flesh and move on. I think it's one of the biggest ones. Uh, people don't feel ownership for their lives. I think a big one mental health myth is I have the right not to forgive like I have been wronged and I have the right to decide my timeline. It doesn't matter. That's fine. You can say it all you want, but mental health means you move on. It always means that. So you can take as long as you want. I just worked with a man that took 10 years and that, okay. So he did it in 10 years, but he lost 10 years in the process. So it, there are truths that if you don't embrace them and use them, they will color your life negatively in the process. I think uh, another mental health error is, is people get twisted in how they see things. Like they believe they were wronged. They don't see, well, why, why is somebody else okay with that person? and I'm not, they're never able to say, am I the variable? Am I the problem in how I'm seeing this person? Like maybe I want someone to be more sensitive. That person's not sensitive. Therefore I know they're wrong. And someone else who doesn't Mm -hmm. need them to be sensitive is, is saying, I think they're great. I get them totally. So I have a hard time accepting that's on me because I'm convinced I know it's because of them, that kind of stuff. Um, Those are, those are some mental health issues. I still struggle with a lot of people like clean motors, clean motors, a big one for me. I have a real hard time with people that don't see that they're winning at other people's expense or they are losing so other people can win and, or they're vindictive. Like they're, they're going to lose. You're going to lose because I'm going to lose. So I'm going to take you down that path. I love people who choose to win and they want you to win. And you just can't always do that because some people are just unhealthy enough. They won't let either one of you win. But the fact that you want them and you to win is so healthy, so clean. It's really cool. When you, when you talk about letting somebody else win, I, I need to, sometimes I feel like I don't really know. Maybe I'm not paying close enough attention probably. But like, I don't really know what a win might be for somebody. And I start to interpret it like, well, that's a win for them. I think I know their win. I don't really know anybody's win, right? I have to ask them. Yeah, right. It's, it would be when they're winning at someone else's expense. Like, I want to look better than you. So I am going to do things that promote me at your expense. That would be a, a you allow me to do that. So that's a let, letting me win at your expense. And sometimes, Kat, you don't even feel your expense. Like I've had people say to me, I have never understood that for years. Now I'm looking back going, of course, that's why I was so angry that he was, or she was winning at my expense 
all those years. And I didn't know that I have a man I'm working with right now that his wife is all about herself at his expense. And he never was able to see it. And now that he sees it, he's just like, oh my gosh, it makes so much more sense why I felt so abandoned and left out and not wanted. Uh, I didn't see it though. I didn't understand it was at my expense because he loved her so much. He wanted her to thrive and, you know, have the life she had. But it, it was also, she was putting him down and making it a, putting him down, yeah. his expense. Okay, good. So I'm interested in, I've been thinking a lot about values, my core values lately and, and core values in the world. Um, and as, as kind of guideposts and, and your sign to say, uh, go here. Yeah. I would love to know one of yours and how you live it as an example, like how to live, how do you live into a core value, truly live into a core value, um, without it being empty? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, makes a lot of sense. I'm going to give you a couple. Um, one is agency. Like I am a firm believer in agency. People have the right to do the wrong thing. It's not my right to impose on them to do the right thing. And so I will find myself saying, well, that's their journey. That's where they're headed. I protect myself. I don't want it to be at my expense, but I certainly can accept that they have the right to walk that path until they choose no longer to. I don't want to impose on them. You can't do that. So I have a big firm believer in agency and I live it out by protecting myself from the damage they would do, maybe ignorantly, but regardless, it's damage and I don't allow it. And then, uh, but allow them to walk that path, not pulling it back, forcing it to be different than they, than I think they should be. Another one is freedom. I'm a huge fan of freedom. And one of the things I do is I work on forgiveness, so I'm not unfree. And if it's been personal, it could be hurtful, but I work on always saying, you're not free. Until you free that person, you're not free. And then another way I act on my freedom is I go do things that I'm able to do. If someone else doesn't choose to because it costs money or time, that's okay. That's their call. But I want to spend money and time experiencing travel and uh, new adventures, new opportunities. So I choose those things. I sign up for them. I promote them. I push them um, in my life. Is that good examples? Mm. Those are great examples. Could you back into a, um, I'm thinking about when you said about agency and I'm wondering if agency, like if somebody uh, struggles with being judgmental, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so I'm a judgmental person. Right. Could I, could I work in it backwards? Like I'm working on a limitation. I'm judgmental. Could I look at a value and go agency would get me out of judgment? Is that the wrong way to, to no, work? That's the, a great one. If you realize that, oh my gosh, that would be so much, so much better to me than the judgmental way that I am. Yes, you can back into it that way. That's fine. It's whatever will lift your perspective so that you don't justify staying judgmental. That's the part that happens. with Say someone's judgmental, and there's a lot of people that are very judgmental. Reds and blues in general struggle with that one. That, that mm -hmm. if they would say, you know what, it's limiting my freedom. Like, that doesn't feel right to me. So why do I make myself God? Like, I'm not God. They have a right to choose a path that's not what I think they should. That's their right to do that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not being fair and promoting their rights to experience life at the path and the level they want to. Um, that's on me. So I'm going to, I'm pulling back on that. I'm, they will have to consciously see it, by the way. You wouldn't just become non-judgmental. Like that's not typically for a red or blue. 
that's not their nature. They'll have to free themselves by another means and maybe look at it and then choose to free themselves. So don't beat yourself up. I'm saying to the people that do that, don't say, I shouldn't judge them at all. That won't work for you. You'll always judge and then learn not to be judgmental by owning it, looking at it, and freeing it. Got it. That's good. I think I've never thought about that way. Like start with something that's really negative in my life and then go to a value. Just kind of like what we do with in color code. Like what's the antidote? Right. Right. Of limitation. Right. What's a core value that would help me work past this that I haven't even thought about? Because I don't know if I've even thought about that agency word in my life until you said it. That's cool. Well, but you're also very open. Like you always are. You always like, oh, that's cool. I want to think about that more. I hope our listeners are the same way. Like, oh, let me think about that. Instead of just the thing I don't want listeners to do is to justify staying stuck. Well, that's right. it's easy for him to say, well, that's not going to help you. Like at the end of the day, if that's your mindset, your perspective, you're stuck, right? Not me, you're stuck. So don't just dismiss things. Think about it, process it. See if you want that value in your life. Okay, that's really good. Um, okay, question number 27. I don't know what number we're on. <laughs> question number three. Do you, do you think in this world, in terms of being accountable, do you think that I can only reach true accountability through having somebody else hold me accountable, like clean, like real clean? Or what do you think? Of, talk about accountability a little bit. Do I need somebody else to be accountable? Most people do. There are rare exceptions, but they exist. I, I have certainly worked with people. They hold themselves accountable in a very healthy way and they don't need others. They're willing to receive from others, but they generally are so clean, they're able to self-diagnose their motive. But most people, especially in the learning process, the curve of learning, they are, do better with somebody else saying, what was that about? Like, what was going on there? I want to know why you didn't do that or you didn't follow up through with that. So in general, I would say people need others to help them get accountable. Um, mm -hmm. I think society does that also for us. Um, but there are there are rare exceptions I've known that, they are good at holding themselves accountable. Accountability requires clean motives. That's what it takes. What are my true intentions? And so sometimes we fool ourselves. That's why you need someone else to go, is that really what you meant? Or if that were true, why did you do this? Or you said you were going to follow up on this. You didn't. Why not? Typically, it's easier with someone else to help you. Yeah. When I haven't written this question down, but, I, but as you're talking... For you, having done this work as long as you have, does that come like, I mean, you're a human, you, you sometimes, uh, something goes through you that you might have an unclean motive. Is it like instant for you? Like, oh, yeah, no, there, there it is for you as a, a pretty, just pretty quick. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't lie to myself. Well, but we all justify, we all, you know, that's right. not, that's not at all uncommon, but the better you get with your muscle of clean motive, like the quicker you see your denial. So it's just a muscle. Mm. You have to develop more, right? It's faster, but we're always, self-deception is always at play. Always at play. Interesting. Okay. Um, a couple of my coaching clients in the last couple of months have been interesting. You know, their conversation around wanting to be another core color. Yeah. You know, I so want to be yellow or I so want to be red. Right. You know, right. Um, I was wondering, is that a sign of where our growth should be? 
is that uh, when somebody says that, what comes up for you? Like when somebody yeah. goes, oh, I just, I want to be yellow yep. or I want to be white. Well, I will be honest. I have two reactions. One, if what they're really saying is they want yellow traits, I have no problem with that. That's a sign of growth. Like I value what people bring. I love that about them. I would like to have that in my life. I always like being around them because of that reason. I have no problem with that. But if they are saying instead of being me, no, I'm not happy about that. So, I mean, I I love blue personalities like to death. I don't want to be a blue, but I certainly love their qualities. They're so rich and, and different than a yellow's. So if I were to say to you, but I just, I, I say yellow, I'm not really getting life. I'm not really experiencing what I, I think I need to be a blue. What that would tell me is I don't value me. I don't like who I am uh, at the core. So that's always a bad sign. It's not growth at all. That's actually um, inaccurate sense of who you are. But mm. I, also, I also love somebody who says, I have come to love this about me, like as a red I really like that I get things done. I make things happen. Um, what I've realized, though, is I could do, I could have a more abundant life if I worked on empathy. Like I could have a deeper life. So I've decided that I'm not going to just be productive. I'm also going to be more connected. So that's very healthy. That makes total sense to me. Great. So the come from is value of self. Like I don't like, I hate that I'm blue versus um, I want to have more fun. Correct. Right. I mean, so that's, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And that can be harder for some people who were raised told that they didn't like them as blues. Like you're always whining and complaining and they grew up with that. So they may have developed a sense of, I don't really like who I am because my parents didn't either. So you really have to stop that and go, well, that's really kind of their issue, not mine. I need to see what they didn't see, which is the good blue in me. I may be a whiner, but I am not just a whiner. I have other qualities. Yeah, I think it's really important. I was just having a conversation with one of somebody the other day about, you know, when you say, well, that's their problem, not mine. And the and <laughs> she was great. She's like, yes, I can say that, but I still feel inside the injustice of that. And mm. I said, you know, I think that's, I think you're going to feel that. Right. I don't know if you ever get over the feeling of injustice of, of that's their problem, not yours. Do you know what I'm saying when somebody's like feeling at that level? I, yeah, I do. But but my fear is if they stay stuck in that injustice, they don't grow. They miss the opportunity to grow. Like I've always said to somebody in a, in a relationship, if they had their, their spouse had an affair on them, well, be grateful you are not the one having the affair. Like at least that's not work you have to do. It doesn't hurt less knowing it was done to you and you didn't do it. But at least look at the positive here of that's really their work to do. It's not really tied to you. What's tied to you is your ability to let go of the hurt and be grateful that that's not a choice you've made. If you get stuck in injustice, like I lived in Africa, like talk about injustice. Like these people do not have Mm. a clue how good life could be in terms of quality, but they're happy. So I think they are probably good examples in some ways of not personalizing injustice. Like we often do. Personalizing injustice. Gosh, that is so, you're right. That's, that, that is so, I mean, they're living in, you know, mud huts and they're happy. Yeah, you're right. And it's not fair. Like what they're going through is not fair. Right. Right. So so that's my answer. Okay. Really good. Um, I would just want you to talk a little bit about trauma because you hear a lot about trauma and people's past trauma and 
PTSD. And I was just like, what's your take on it? And what do you think the most effective way to deal with trauma is? Like head on, talk about it, explore it, you know, A, B, or C. Just yeah. Well, I think we all experience trauma in life. And it's getting the tools to resolve the trauma that would free us, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I just talked to a man who he didn't understand why he was making poor choices in women that he married. And he realized through an experience that he had that his mother never wanted him or treated him well. And he was looking for that in these women, but he was broken. His own masculinity was broken. So he couldn't possibly expect to get like a quality woman because he was Mm -hmm. not right. Right. So in the process of him realizing this trauma, he now has taken on the responsibility of, I need to get right and fixed first before I get to find somebody who's not going to fill that hole in my, in my heart. Right. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. he was still involved with somebody who was in a relationship, she's married and they were having this emotional affair and sexual, but emotional mostly. And I I said, you have to stop, like stop the relationship. You have to stop that. But their entire friend group is tied around that. But I said, it doesn't matter. You, you can still go do what you guys do with friends or whatever, but you cannot engage her specifically or specially as one of those friends that can't happen because you're not strong enough. You're not healed enough. You're putting a bandaid over the problem. Now that you know the real trauma, you have to Mm -hmm. get yourself right. So I do think you need to face it directly. I think people that don't uh-huh. own their drama, their trauma, they can't ever free themselves of it. It just leaks in other aspects of their life. So band-aiding trauma is not a good move. I also think there's some people who dwell in trauma. Like they really won't let it go. It defines them. They've, they don't almost want to let it go because, because it's been so hurtful in their life that it's, it's become who they are. And I think those people... Um, they lose opportunities for a more abundant life. And I'll take a bad example because I didn't live it, but like the Jews in World War II and the trauma that happened, these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but my readings, of, which have been many, about those who have dealt with it and lived it, they seem to say to me, I will never forget, but I won't let it define me going forward. Like I'm not letting that trauma own my future is what they, I think those that were healthiest did. And I don't know how much you get better trauma. I mean, that's pretty, pretty deep, pretty serious. It's interesting mm-hmm. that sexual trauma seems to be deeper and harder than almost any other trauma you can experience, which is interesting to me. Yeah. It seems more invasive, more painful, hard to release. But uh, I would recommend finding someone you trust, someone that really would be a good ear to follow the process. As long as right. you're willing also to make, take steps towards freeing yourself. If all you want is to talk about it and stay stuck there, that's not really fair to other people to drag them into that. But if you're willing to do your work in the process, I think it's really rewarding to find someone that will hear your trauma and see themselves through. Right, right, right. That's, that's good. I, that's clear. Gosh, I love that because it, it does get, and when like hitting it straight on, like, you know, not not talking about it with somebody. It's interesting. We recently had a friend who lost um, a young son, uh, um, twenty four. He was twenty four. Never 24. goes away. And 
No. And it's just interesting how like we just aren't taught or, or learn or what for me anyway, maybe there's other people that are more comfortable with it, but it's like, you don't know whether to talk or not, or how to give comfort. It's just an interesting place to be around trauma. Like when somebody has dealing with it. Yeah. My experience has been, remember my, my, here's my quote. As long as you want someone to win genuinely, you are carte blanche. So if I'm with somebody who lost a son who killed himself or they were killed or whatever happened, as long as I want that person to win, I'm pretty free to ask anything. And then they will, they'll tell me whether they want to work with it or not. Like they're very clear with, they'll say, yeah, but thanks. Thank you. I'm good. Okay. Off we go. That's, that's theirs, not mine. Don't impose it on them. I don't think you really can mm-hmm. be good. Like, I think there's more there than you know. The only time I say it's fine for you to push the trauma person is when they are acting out in a way that's affecting you. Oh. So I remember a time when my wife was so caught up in the trauma of my daughter. She was so lost. Like this kid was making horrendous choices. And Mm -hmm. I remember saying to my wife, look, I know nobody will ever love her as deeply as you do, but you've forgotten how to love your son and me in the process. And she was phenomenal. Like she, she woke up, she said, okay, you're right. You're right. I am so concerned about her that I couldn't see anything else around me. And, and she was willing to see that that was not fair to us. And to Mm. this day, like our daughter to this day will be the one that calls my wife to this day. She is so appreciative that she never let go of her, but my wife let go of her enough to be part of us again. So, yeah, I, I think otherwise, and just, you know, I mean, just want them to win. And if they say, sure. um, I'm good, or, you know, would you be able to talk about that a little more? Whatever they say, take their lead is what I'm saying. Got it. Got it. Good. All right. One more. Yeah. One more. All right. What do you think, what do you think are some great keys for you? Because you're so good at it in giving and receiving feedback. What do we need to know? top of the list, like giving and receiving, what are the, what are the, the most important things in your world? Do you think? Okay. So it's ironic because if I am receiving feedback, the intention is irrelevant. What they say is all I'm interested in. So I don't okay. care about the tone of voice. I don't care if they want me to lose in the process. I don't care. It doesn't matter. What matters is what they said. If I am giving feedback, my intent is paramount. It's totally opposite because my intent will impact the message I want to give. So it's a whole different ballgame, giving versus receiving. If I'm receiving feedback, I like to clarify. Help me understand what that means to you. Why are you saying that? I typically don't have a context to work in. So them giving me context is really, really helpful. When I'm giving feedback... Um, I want it to be as succinct and clear. I, it's so funny, by the way. I had a, a father and a daughter in my office last week, and he means so well, and he is so bad at giving feedback. He just lectures. Like I said, when are you going to stop talking? Like, this is ridiculous. You've made five good points, none of which you're going to respond to because you kept going. And he's like, I know, I know, I do that, don't I? I said, oh my gosh, if I were your daughter, I would never know where to go because actually you're not asking me anything. You're just lecturing me. 
And it's so, <sighs> it's so ineffective. So, and I love this guy. He meant well. He really does mean, he wants good things, but he makes it impossible. So I am telling our listeners, if you want to give feedback, give it one at a time succinctly and shut up. Don't go over <laughs> it again and again. Up. Oh my gosh. And I don't need to worry about your intent. I mean, I, I don't need to worry about whether you're, motive is clean or not, or what the intent is. I just need to listen to what you're saying. The best, best people in the world take feedback from the worst people in the world and grow every single time. They don't, hmm. they don't make the person giving the feedback important. They make the feedback important. So good, but it's hard to do. Can't be about all about yourself. Very you to practice. Yes. You have to practice that, but just, practice. just, what's that quote? Smart people learn from everything and everyone. Average people learn from their experiences and stupid people already have all the answers. (laughs) And in stupid people are insecure people. Insecure people already have the answers. Socrates said that. Yes. Socrates said that. It's such a great concept. Yes. So yes, you don't worry about people already have the answers. Right. So you don't care about intent. If you're getting feedback, insecure Mm, people do. So good. All right. And I lied. There is one more question. Okay. Do you truly think that the hokey pokey is what it's all about? <laughs> Do you? I, I mean, I, deep inside. I think that <laughs> the happiest people believe that. I <laughs> do. And, simple. You and, put your hand in and you can't it. Out. And that's it's it. so easy. <laughs> Those are the people that seem to be smiling a lot more often. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> these these were great, great questions. Job. I'm glad you asked them. They were wonderful. I hope our listeners are are helped by the insight that we've tried to share today. Um, listeners, have a great week. We love your feedback and your concepts. Kat, as always, it's such a joy to work with you on this. So thank you. I got to Taylor. Thank you. Love you guys. Bye for everyone. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, Color Code family, it's Kathy Larson. I want you to take down a number. I want you to put this in your contact list under the people code. The number is 385-526-2350. Again, 385-526-2350. Text the word VIP to that number and you'll get back from us a request for your name and your email. That way we'll be in touch with you on anything that's happening at the People Code, any offerings, exciting things that are coming up. And you can let us know what your needs are by texting us at that number. Look forward to staying connected even more. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.